Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day with me, my contributor. None other than Mr. Dan Evans, host of Good Morning Bad News, Power Report and Audio Face. Always a fascinating analysis. Top story of the day, XFBI analyst kept classified information in her home. Get sentenced to basically four years in federal prison. Let's put up the picture full mass. Kendra D. Kingsbury actually had a hell of a story, sympathetic, some would say. But it did not spare her from the four years handed down by the federal judge. Because she did, in fact, violate law in relation to classified documents. Keep a picture up. She did not engage in obstruction of justice. She did not engage in willful obstruction at all, according to the charge docket. Former Federal Bureau of Investigation agent Kendra Kingsbury was sentenced to 46 months in prison. This happened on Wednesday after pleading guilty to two counts of willful retention, retention of classified documents. Crimes mirror 31 of the 37 charges that former President Donald Trump faces in respect to classified documents. Trump, who was indicted earlier this month and arraigned last Tuesday, is facing 37 counts ranging from willful retention of classified documents to obstruction as well in connection to the DOJ's investigation and to his handling of classified documents after leaving office. He's the first former president to face federal charges in United States history. The indictment, which was brought by the DOJ special counsel Jack Smith accuses Trump of mishandling sensitive presidential records and obstructing government efforts to retrieve them. Trump has maintained his innocence accusing federal prosecutors of investigating him for political reasons. The agent, Ms. Kingsbury, worked for the Kansas City FBI office as an analyst from 2004 until 2017. The reason why this is important is because clearly she is one of their own. She held top secret security clearance and had access to national defense classified information. That's according to the press release From the DOJ. Agent Kingsbury was prohibited, just like anyone else, from bringing the classified information to her home, but pleaded guilty in 2022 after admitting she repeatedly removed sensitive government materials from the FBI and kept them at her home, including classified documents related to national defense. The press release said this agent unlawfully and willfully retained 386 classified documents. The FBI also found more than 300 documents with classified markings at Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort, right? Goliath and uh, said that Kingsbury mere possession of the documents in an improper way warranted federal prosecution, just the possession alone. However, many of the documents in her possession were in electronic format, 
And she was not accused of using the materials to harm national security. She was not charged with obstruction of justice. Print documents were discovered at Trump's residence. And the former president also faces an obstruction charge. Now, this is interesting because obviously Donald Trump was already in possession of classified documents that he never had the clearance to keep in his home. There's a former FBI agent who has now been prosecuted, pleaded guilty, received a sentence of almost four years in prison because of holding the documents. Now, Obama, President Obama said in an interesting interview that basically it's not ideal that Donald Trump is being prosecuted, being a former president and all. But it does undergird one notion that no one is above the law. Well, at least not above all of the laws. All right, this is going to be an interesting dynamic to see how the right spins this because I have not heard anyone from the right calling this a political prosecution. I have not heard anyone from the right say, well, why is she being prosecuted for something that was, you know, not really a big deal? No, nothing bad happened. She did not try to compromise national security. It was a mistake. The defense argued, her defense argued that she had death in the family. She had a medical crisis. She was having some problematic dynamics happening that year. That was noted for the record. Those were facts presented during the case. It did not matter. She was in violation of the rule. She was in violation of the law. She actually took her lumps like a woman and she's going to serve her time. Trump would never do so quietly. All right, dear brother, what are your thoughts here? Another point to jump in on what you were just saying is that the Republican Party would never defend Kendra Kingsbury for this reason, A, because she doesn't get votes and B, because she kind of makes a mess of their entire theory that, okay, regular people will get prosecuted with this. Why isn't Hillary, for example, they were trying to say. They can do the same thing and using her as an example as being someone who's prosecuted, but apply the same thing to Trump. And the last most important thing here to also highlight is that Donald Trump is also being charged of obstructing justice in this That's case right. because he was asked to give the documents and he didn't give them back. And so that actual implicit sort of breaking the law and then trying to hide that you broke the law again is putting him in even deeper trouble. So if anything, this case should prove out to be, you know, not a complete one to one, but something that is indicative that Trump could get it worse or at least deserves it so. Let's see if he pulls another trick again. You make a really great point about the difference, the distinction. Because obviously obstruction is worse than simply making a mistake and carrying something to your house. Donald Trump engaged in willful obstruction after the government asked for the documents back, then mandated them back, then ordered them back. He decided not to give them back. All right, here's what President Obama said. How is the rest of the world the democratic world, maybe even the non-democratic world, meant to interpret that indictment and indeed the fact that a federal indictee is running, is able to run for the highest office in the land, maybe even the world. Uh, it's less than ideal, right? but uh, the fact that uh, 
we have a former president who uh, is having to answer uh, to charges brought by prosecutors, does uphold the basic notion that nobody's above the law. Uh, and the allegations will now be sorted out uh, through a, a, a court process. I think I'm more concerned when it comes to the United States with the fact that not just one particular individual is you know, uh, being accused of, of uh, undermining existing laws, but that more broadly we've seen, uh, whether it's through the gerrymandering of districts, whether it's uh, you know, trying to silence critics uh, through uh, changes in legislative process, whether it's um, attempts to uh, intimidate the press, uh, a strand of anti-democratic sentiment that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that actually started President Obama. In all due respect, under your leadership, more should have been done. Let's be very clear about the reality of Donald Trump. Donald Trump, he may get convicted. There is no ambiguity about his ability to run for president while being charged. He absolutely can. When convicted, there's an interesting caveat here. Conviction of espionage states that you can no longer hold a position of public trust. Being on the board of directors, that's a position of public trust. Being an elected official, a judge, a president is a position of public trust. He may fight that notion if it comes down to it. Then he has another hurdle to overcome. That's called ballot access because all Republican states have this rule. That says basically if you are on probation or parole for a felony, you cannot vote and you cannot run for political office. How do you put a man on the ballot to run for president when your citizens are unable to participate because they have the same legal dilemma as Trump? And then number three, the Republican National Committee is a company just like the Democratic Party or the DNC. These are companies. These companies have a board of directors. They have the ability to override the will of the delegates. It's called a brokered, brokered convention. The Republicans can do that too. All right, we got more real interesting stuff. Bobert, Green in their corners, girl fight. We got an update. Let me remind you of the scene. Here it is. Thank you. Conversations to the back. Off the floor. For what purpose does the gentlewoman order, please? For what purpose does the gentlewoman from Florida, Mrs. Luna, seek recognition? According to witnesses, um, obviously Margie Taylor Greene is a fan of Too Short. She's slung the B word around multiple times talking about Bobert and uh, her willingness to steal her shine, her shine. Let's go to it. The Daily Beast reported Greene was upset with Bobert. I've donated to you, she says, I defended you. Green told her, according to sources the Beast spoke with. But you've been nothing but a little B to me. And you copied my articles of impeachment 
after I asked you to co-sponsor them. Okay, Marjorie, we're through, Obert said. We were never together, Green replied. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this is not the first time one of them have copied the paper of somebody else, okay? So that's what you have here, at least in accusation. Green confirmed it, right? So Green confirmed on Wednesday night that she did indeed call Bobert a little B word. And she doubled down on her remarks. She has genuinely been a nasty little B to me. Asked whether the two could ever reconcile, Green said, absolutely not. Ladies and gentlemen, this is actually a paradox issue here. I don't know what it would do to the space time continuum, but two cameras are occupying the US Congress at the exact same time, same time. Bobert was able to give explanation on the safe haven of all things racist, Fox News, here it is. Um, I'd be negligent if I didn't ask you, all right, what's going on with you and Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene? Sean, I did not put my life on pause and leave my four boys and my now grandson um, to come here and um, just get in, in spats with people. I, I came here to legislate and to be effective for Coloradans, Coloradans who are suffering from the Democrats' policy. Marjorie is not my enemy. Joe Biden's policy, the Democrats, that is my enemy that I am combating right now. And I'm doing everything I can to make sure I put them in check and hold them accountable and take our country back. Yeah, another congressperson said that Marjorie Taylor Greene was about to give Bobert them hands inside of the bathroom. So I'm waiting for that story to come out next week. All right, Dan, hell of a thing. But the reality is none of these individuals have honor. They're literally fighting about who gets to file articles of impeachment against Biden first, which has happened now, technically. So this is about shine, not about substance. Yeah, there's no substance here because at one point, Joe Biden's the head of a crime family and he's got this syndicate that's going on with Hunter Biden, who's got this devious lifestyle. And on the other hand, he's slow and eats ice cream and falls and trips all the time. So like they love to try to have it both ways, but there's a power play that's going on within the Republican House where you have, like you said, the two Karens, Lowen Burbot and Marjorie Taylor Greene fighting. For once, Marjorie Taylor Greene shouted out the press because when she was asked if the calling her a little B was a real thing, she used the term impressively correct to describe the reports, which is just gonna stick in my head, like impressively correct. I'm just gonna use that for once. I'm quoting Marjorie Taylor Greene in a <laughs> highlight. They, they say they say bipartisanship is dead, but right. no, um, there is no substance to it. It really is just sort of a fight for who has clout. Like most Republican politicians, they have podcasts. They have all of these different like shows and grifts and narratives they're trying to spin for their own right. And I think one good analysis is that not only in the Republican Party do, do they pit women against each other um, in more ways than are necessary, but Marjorie Taylor Greene is starting to ally more with Kevin McCarthy, and he mm -hmm. has simply just played this relationship much better. Yeah. There you go, well said. All right, shocking footage, 10 year old child in her pajamas arrested by Sacramento police. Let's put up the picture full mass. I'm gonna give you the background to this. 
insane saga. New body cam footage obtained as part of an audit shows that Sacramento police handcuffed a terrified 10 year old girl crying in her pajamas, 10 years old. At the time of the incident, the department said that the officer had, and I quote, reasonable and articulable concerns for his safety was justified the lawful detention of the young child who obviously is black. Uh, the reason why they dropped that line is because that is supposed to be a catch all for police officers. If their suspicion is reasonable and they can articulate their suspicion, they can do anything for their safety basically. Let's put up picture. Sacramento City Council meeting Tuesday, all right? During this council meeting, police chief Kathy Lester said, and I quote, there is no circumstance where it's okay to handcuff a 10 year old, regardless of race. The 32nd incident was played at the meeting about the audit's findings related to improper searches done by Sacramento police. The officers initially went to the home in an effort to conduct a search related to a stolen car and firearms investigation involving a known gang member. Obviously, they believe that the gang member was a 10 year old black girl in her pajamas. Upon announcing themselves, they saw people inside, but no one would answer the door. They have a right to not answer the door. Officers saw a person running through the house, turning off lights, the police account states. That person came to the door and was immediately detained. The officer asked how old they were, realized the person was only 10 and did immediately unhandcuff them. Inspector General Dwight White said the girl has been with her bedridden mother, grandmother, when police arrived. Then, when she finally opened the door, they immediately handcuffed her, he said. They were rude and marched her to the car. The girl could be heard telling officers in the video, I'm a baby. You're not a baby if you're not listening. An officer responds, she should not have been handcuffed even for a second, White said. If this girl was another race, she likely would not have been handcuffed, end quote. So an officer goes to a home, a child in her pajama, pajamas answers the door. In his report, <clears throat> he acts as if he's unaware this is a child. Now, I don't believe that, but let's say we did benefit of the doubt scenario I present to you. Do you want an investigator who is certified to kill? Not knowing the difference between a 10 year old child and a gang member who's going to try to kill him? Exactly, it doesn't matter what his why is, his ass should not be a cop, period. All right, Dan Thoughts. I just imagine how unskilled you have to be to be unable to de-escalate a situation with a 10 year old girl without being like, right, without exactly. having to resort to handcuffs. I mean, I 
this is America, I guess on the bright side, they didn't resort to weapons. Like, But you have to think about how traumatized that girl is going to be and how effectively that is deprioritized in our system. It's gonna take money and time and healthcare to you know provide treatment for that traumatizing experience that did need to happen just because of this cop's negligence. So yep. absolutely disgusting. And you see the difference in leadership. The current chief is saying, I don't give a damn what the situation was. You do not handcuff a 10 year old child. And then you had the initial proclamation come out, another leadership dynamic. Oh, He had reasonable, articulable suspicion. He was good, no problem here. He did what he needed to do. Leadership matters, we gotta get good people in positions of leadership always. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back, we still have a lot of show left. I'm gonna read some of these amazing comments and I appreciate you in advance. Uh, don't forget, don't forget, Sirius XM Urban View, the Dr. Sean Rich Review, every Sunday at 1 p.m. That's one hour of your entire weekend. I give you the updates, the things you need to know that have happened and that will likely happen in your week ahead. So make sure you tune in. Channel 126, Sirius XM, Urban View. All right, let's get it. Oh, that's interesting. Um, oh, Jams. They're responsible for killing an American citizen without due process with a drone. It's always about the slippery slope for the powerful. So remember when they kept saying um, it's bad precedent, it's a slippery slope. They're not talking about for us, they're talking about for themselves. Every single one of them, Democrats and Republicans. So understand the context of their submission when they have said these things in the past. All right, um, frugal dragon, I like how you did that. Two Karens, hysterically funny and entirely accurate, that's correct, it is. Uh, let's go to Jamal G, welcome to Indisputable, thank you for joining. Uh, Colin Hutton, uh, thank you for that. Uh, Doc. I love seeing you on TYT show yesterday. It was a pleasant surprise, more please. And, and we plan to bring you more. Thank you so much for that compliment. Um, Louise Belmont show, walkthroughs. Thank you for that. Marjorie Taylor Greene needs to realize that the immigration crisis started way before the Biden administration. It started way before Trump. It started way before Obama, before Bush, Clinton, etc. Am I right? That is correct. I actually made this point on my radio show this morning that the logic they are using in order to impeach Biden, Trump can be impeached under that same logic. So could every other president before them. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel free, back off! I'm gonna tell there's an African American man threatening my life. Wow, let's put it up full mass. My producer Jordan did a great job with this, by the way. I actually think she literally came out the video game, didn't know what the hell was going on. Ma'am, you are in the real world. We don't know the backstory. We don't know why, but we do know she has superhuman strength. We know that. 
Look at the, I mean, can we go to the video again? Is it possible? Let, let's just go, let's do it again. Let's do it again. It's a hell of a thing. It's coming. Fascinating. All right, Dan, I'm so glad the individual got away from that thug because it's no telling what would have happened if she gained entry into the vehicle. What are your thoughts? Where, where, where are the police who are arresting these thugs and criminals <laughs> exactly. who are who are jumping on the cars and screaming? Like, what was that woman to do? Like, it's, it, it, it was. I was kind of amazed at how she was able to jump on that SUV. They make them way bigger than SUVs used to be, but she gets on there really quickly. That's bold, courageous, immediately breaks the windshield like that. That's really impressive. Um, and shout out to Jordan for that wonderful editing. It's yes. incredibly skilled there. But I, I, I don't get the road rage. I think it's a great case for us to expand public transportation because some people just should, don't have the temperament for driving, honestly. Yeah, and it looked as if she had done this move before. She was. I know what they're doing. Steel. I know what they're doing at those self-defense courses. They're teaching you those jumps, but maybe we should get them in the WNBA or something. This would be I don't great. know, man. I think that's actually what HOAs teach Karens these days. All right, we got more. <laughs> this is uh, we got more. All right, this was a really sad story, and it's one that I think we can probably, well, maybe change. At least in the future, a kid gets shot 10 times, kid, he's walking, he gets shot 10 times. How does the school respond? The school says you can no longer participate in prom and you cannot participate in graduation. So he's a victim of a crime and then a victim of a social crime at his own school. Put up the picture full mass. Philadelphia student, Deshaun Walker is banned from attending senior prom and high school graduation by the school's chief administrator and founder, Veronica Joyner. Keep her picture up, Ms. Joyner. How can you not care about the progress of this child. If you believe somehow this child provides a threat to you because he was victim of a crime, please understand you are in the wrong business, ma'am. If you do not know how to engage to protect and advocate for young people at all costs. Let me give you background to the shooting, February 21st, 2023. Deshaun Walker was walking home from his school in North Philly. The mathematics, civics, and science charter school. When a shooter hopped out of a gray Nissan car and began began to open fire at the young kid. While walking home with a 13-year-old girl beside him, he was struck 10 times. And the 13-year-old was struck once with a stray bullet. 
Nine of the bullets shattered bones in both Walker's legs. And the 10th bullet went through his stomach. And the last bullet still remains to be found. After being in a coma for two days, spending a month at Temple University Hospital. He was in the intensive care unit and spending another month at Shriners Hospital for Children's Rehabilitation Center. He had to learn to walk again. His surgeries Things like while he's had a dozen, more than a dozen surgeries, he's lived through his colonoscopy bag for three months. He still struggles with anxiety, depression, and nightmares from the incident. Thank you for that, brother. So while <clears throat> he's trying to come back, to add insult to injury, to add insult to injury, the school's founder and chief administrator did the unthinkable. Ms. Veronica Jordan decided that it was a necessary step to ban him from attending senior prom and graduation. Things he earned at the Mathematics, Civics and Science Charter School in Philadelphia. She claims that is out of concern for other students while adding, quote, my heart goes out to Deshaun, but I didn't create the situation. My actions didn't involve me in something that got me shocked. Put up a picture. Ma'am, you are an embarrassment to us in education. You are no advocate, you are no leader. You are feckless in my opinion. The shooter. Michael Rowan, age 20, lived in the same neighborhood as Walker. But Walker says they have never spoken before. Walker says he doesn't know why he was targeted. Walker says maybe he was looking for someone with the same hoodie as me or the same backpack. I just know me and this guy never had no conversation, no argument, no bad blood, no fight over no girl, nothing. There's no connection. Feeling like a defendant rather than a victim. Walker and his mother accused the school of not being supportive of the tragic event that almost took this young man's life. He says that, and I quote, it made me feel like I'm nothing, like I deserve nothing. This young man is in Philly, Philadelphia. Obviously, he's going to school, making the grades. He is scheduled to graduate. He made it. He earned that. These are small trinkets young people receive, especially those that come from communities like I came from. It is a miracle when you get a young black male who survived in a community that has that level of violence, especially violence that can be random. He survives, he gets to graduate. Now, I can't control what this school does, but I can definitely convene the court of public opinion. There is no way this young man should be denied what he earned. 
Young man, I am sorry that this is happening to you, all of it. But I will say this to you, I know a little something about adversity. God only puts this level of pressure on those who can withstand it. You are just stronger than most. All right, Dan thoughts. Yeah, that was a really powerful um, way you approach that. And it's just a shame that, again, this principal, I believe, you know, principal, it's the chief administrative officer at the charter school, it's a different situation. But Veronica Joyner, in one part, she says, it's not a requirement that I provide him with a graduation or prom, it's a privilege. And it's again this framing that, like, kids who grow up in these communities get from their teachers and their not all teachers, but some teachers and the yeah. framing they get from even the criminal justice system. That even things that aren't their fault or even things that are the result of the conditions in which they live in that are hard to get out of. Even when you try to get out of those things, it's still gonna shut you down, it's still gonna bring you down. And so just for humanity, for giving a sense of normalcy to this kid who, yes, like you said, had a miracle surviving this thing. I know people who have been in similar situations random and didn't get that same miracle. Yep. So like, just let this kid have a sense of normalcy after this recovery from all these different surgeries. And just think about that and think about nurturing kids. Because otherwise, what, is this gonna help their test scores? <laughs> is this gonna help yeah. his um, graduation or whatever? Again, he's graduating, what's the point at that point? It's just needlessly cruel and like you said, there's so many great educators and teachers out there that this is just a bad look on all of them. Yeah, madam, you could you could call the community. There are men in Philadelphia that would stand with you, that would protect those events. You can coordinate with members of law enforcement. They'll do it for free if you lead and put out the call. They will make sure that your events are protected. Show some damn leadership. All right, we got more on the other side, indisputable stick and stack. All right, welcome back. We still have a lot of show left. Always good to be with you. Let's go to some of these amazing comments. Okay, Greyhound Dragon says, "Oh, okay. You know that hurt like hell when she tried to smash that window with her bare hand." I don't know. They say there's something about that carinicity when it gives you superhuman strength. Yeah, it may hurt later though. Yeah. All right, Bernie the Kiwi Dragon talking about um, the student. That excuse makes no sense at all, I agree. Um, Anthony Draper, welcome to Indisputable, thank you so much for joining. Uh, lady, mm, okay, I see, I'm just gonna say Lady mm, T, all right? Uh, thank you for that, and she was like, nah, yeah. Twitch, VG underscore hero, that, de- uh, that definitely in the running for the uh, Karen of the year, talking about I don't know, you know, I think we got some some doozies that are yet to happen. All right, a jailer found guilty in the cover up of an assault on an inmate. Let's put it up for a mask. James Stewart Thomas, a Murray County corrections officer who was appointed to care for a Tennessee teenager who was kidnapped by her teacher and taken across state lines for purposes of sexual relations, has now himself been indicted for lying about the alleged sexual abuse of an inmate. Thomas was indicted May 2022 after he was charged with falsifying records related 
to non-consensual sexual contact that he had with a female inmate in his custody, end quote. During the trial, it was discovered through testimony and evidence that Justice wrote an official report falsely claiming to report an inmate making sexual advances towards him while the inmate was in his custody. He claimed that he reported the inmate's advances to Murray County Jail Supervisors. There's more. The falsified report also claimed that the two Murray County Jail Supervisors both advised him not to write a report about the inmate's alleged advances. Thomas also omitted from the report that he had sexual relations with the inmate after she was released from the Murray County Jail. Thomas will be sentenced on the 18th of September and faces up to 20 years in prison for the charge. Now, let's be very clear, okay? This is a violation, the unequal dynamics of power that are at play cannot be dismissed and are relevant to the crime that took place. The other reality is that it happens often. This is not some type of one-off. This is an almost normative thing. Uh, He got caught, he engaged in activity afterwards, and then he tried to literally blame it on everybody but himself. He filed the false police report. He said the other people told him not to file the police report or file the incident report. So let's talk about one of the charges in addition to the violation, falsifying a report. You see, that is a rare charge. You don't hear that much, but you see it happen all the time. You can charge a person, you can charge a cop, a correctional officer with falsifying a police report anytime. Anytime they lie, that is technically a chargeable offense. It rarely ever happens in its own context. Typically, when you see that charge, it is congruent to other charges and they throw that in. But that alone is a crime. If a person is willing to lie on an official document about about evidence or even what happened factually, they're willing to lie to a judge. They're willing to lie to get a warrant. They're willing to lie to save their own ass. They're willing to lie on citizens, non-citizens, men, women, children. It doesn't matter, they're willing to lie and to hurt and harm those who are innocent. So that's why these things have to be taken seriously. Dan, thoughts here. Yeah, I want to get back to the power imbalance part that you mentioned here. Because yep. in this original case, apparently, like, yeah, he it's relating to the assault of a female inmate. So like when you're in jail, when you're incarcerated, all of your rights are stripped away from you. It's the psychological sort of game where uh, those wardens, those people who are like uh, the officers, the correctional officers who are there are your only sort of source of like any sort of source of power and control. And so when in that kind of situation, when you're sexually assaulted, that's terrible and bad enough, which is any kind of case. But when you have that added power dynamic, yes, someone who's willing to lie and manipulate in that situation, it's no surprise they're also willing to lie and manipulate in a legal situation to save their job, to save their own stature. So really disgusting to see what our uh, criminal in justice system does when it claims to rehabilitate people. This is nothing near that. There you go, well said. All right, 
indisputable exclusive. We have more updates in reference to Alabama jail conditions, still appalling, still not remedied. Here's some of the video. You say you assaulted by Sergeant Thomas? Yeah. Sergeant Thomas? And they struck you in your arm, both arms or just that one arm? And you, both arms. And they not the one looking at your hand too. You had the hand on your face trying to block it out. And I want to see this injury at the head because it looked like it needs stitches. That injury, that injury right there definitely needs stitches. And did they, did the nurses, what did the nurses say? Look at it and send me back down the hall. And this one here is swollen and this looks bad. And what they say about that? No scan, test for head injury or anything. I ain't getting nothing. Now, Steven, I just got to ask you about your chronic illness right now. To my understanding, you said you got some form of cancer. Can you explain what exactly it is? Yeah, my name is Jacob to begin with, uh, Alan Jacob. And it's a thoracic lymphatic. Thoracic lymphatic. Lymphatic. Lymphatic cancer. What stage would you say your cancer is in? I would say it's in stage three by now, but they're telling me it's in stage two, which is untreatable. Okay, you think you, they telling you it's stage two, but you think it's in stage three because of the weight you have lost. How long has it been since you um, was diagnosed? Uh, about four years ago. So they saying that they won't even treat it until it's stage three. Until it's deadly. Until it's deadly. So and they will. And they, but ain't it's deadly? How much weight have you lost? Hundred pounds. Now, do you got your ID? Your ID yeah. or your I'm picture? Gonna, let, let us see your I've picture. Got, your a ID. Picture or you previous ID picture. Wow. And this is you. Hold. Let me hold. And this is you. How long ago this been? Not even three years. You was clearly fat. Two and a half years. But I just say healthy. Yeah, I weigh 200 pounds. Just shy of 200 pounds. Healthy. Wow. 200 pounds. There's more. Here it is. Or, or, or what kind of action did he take in saying that he would try to help you with it? I would, carry it, I would go home with it. it he said you would go home with it. He wasn't concerned about the not growing because it has been growing over a period of time. Right, right. Dr. Allen and Dr. Stone, he had ventures prison here in Alabama, and they said you would just be with us. You would be with it, will stay with you until you release, right? right? Can we see it if you don't mind? Sure. Wow. That is clear, and it's been it's growing bigger and bigger. You can feel it, and you get a mirror to look to the back of it, and they tell you that um, wow, this is big, and they tell you this is crazy. No kind of way it just occurred, and I went to the infirmary, and they nothing about it. They did nothing about it. Can the people, if you don't mind, can they see what the issue is? Wow, wow. Okay, a good look at that. And is it burn? Is it irritating? Is yeah, it very irritating? Very irritating. Very irritating. Itching, how long has your ear been like that, man? Well, about a week now. About a week now, and it occurred from an altercation, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, and then what is the doctors? Why haven't the doctors or did anything? You shouldn't even be, you should be in the free world hospital right now. Your entire ear is swollen up, man. <laughs> Just looking at it, yeah, man. That's and, and, and that's just don't make sense. Now, what is the doctor saying when you tried to get help in relation to this this injury? Uh, uh, ice, do, uh, ice on. They say put ice on the head. They gave anything for the pain. 
really. And then for the pain. Well, this is just another example of the atrocities we face here in the Alabama prison system. We hear adventures, and these are the things that we face every day. Medical staff is a joke. It's medical neglect is at an all-time high, and doctors' morale is at an all-time low, man. And uh, these, if these videos don't prove it, we will never understand it. Put up the picture. We have more, okay? Since our last report, there has allegedly been no charges made within the Atlanta, excuse me, Alabama Department of Corrections, despite attention being brought forth from the alleged medical neglect. Nard Jemison, an inmate at Ventress Correctional Facility, has been documenting the negligence behind bars, putting his own safety at risk. Just recently, he was threatened by a captain, according to him, who he says stated she was going to get him injured for exposing the truth. Jameson is currently in fear for his life and further retaliation. We consider him to be a whistleblower. Here's more. My name is Bernard Jemison, currently incarcerated at Ventures Correctional Facility. And uh, at the risk of, of, of my safety, I am uh, brought to the attention medical um, neglect issues that, that are occurring inside this facility, this prison here in Alabama, and the deaths that are transpired that could have been prevented, a uh, number of atrocities committed here, recklessness and just uh, negligence about prison officials. As a result, my life has been threatened by the actions of uh, Captain Elizabeth. Um, Lassiter and uh, Lieutenant Walker, who was threatened to have me harmed. As a result, Captain Lassiter has uh, begun uh, doing security searches, conducting searches and searching down other inmates, taking their contraband items, whether it be on cell phone, hair pieces, or whatever the case may be. And she's telling them directly that it's a result of me, my action, because she disapproved of what I'm doing. In other words, to try to get inmates uh, riled up at me. And uh, basically, just an attempt on my life. I feel like it's important to notify the media that this administration, uh, Captain Lester and Lieutenant Walker, are basically trying to silence me by hopefully uh, causing harm to the degree of me possibly losing my life. And I, I think that those who I reached out to in the past, um, the King Center, uh, Dr. Rashad Ritchie, a host of other news media outlets, The Guardian. Uh, these people need to know firsthand what's going on in the, in the event that uh, something tragic does happen, um, that these two will be here responsible. They'll be the direct result of any harm that I've seen. Thank you, dear brother, for your continued fight and leadership. Senator John Ossoff, dear friend, has been on the show multiple times has also championed legislation to crack down on this kind of neglect and treatment. He has led investigations into federal prisons, exposing the nuances of criminality being done against human beings who are temporarily incarcerated. Assault seems to be a sport for correctional officers, sergeants and lieutenants. As it still is a daily occurrence, most often done unnecessarily and done with excessive force. Trevon Williams, AIS number 181201, 
was assaulted by Sergeant Thomas, Lieutenant Cannon, as well as another officer. But Mr. Williams could not see his name tag according to him. They struck him repeatedly on both of his arms as he held his arms up trying to protect himself as well as strikes to his skull appeared to need stitches. He was seen by the nurses in the infirmary, but they did nothing except give him a sling. All of the attack was caught on camera in the infirmary, according to an anonymous vetted source. There's more, Mr. Lashley was involved in an altercation with a fellow inmate. And the result is this massive swelling of his ear that you saw when he went to the prison physician. He was instructed to put ice on it. Nolan Williams, AIS number 323667 has had a large and still growing mass on his back that he fears may be cancerous. But the prison physicians, Dr. Stone, Dr. Allen, show no concern according to the source. But the prison physicians show no concern and stated he would be going home with the mass still on his back. They did no blood work, they did no diagnostic studies. These are just a few instances, put up the picture. But hundreds, possibly thousands of incarcerated individuals are allegedly being neglected, turned away, written off inhumanely. Many of them are dying at the hands of prison employees because of their lack of willingness to make a simple change. Ventress Correctional Facility Warden, her name is Carol Williams, put her up. We reached out to Ventress for comment, did not receive a response. Ventress is just one of many prisons across the nation who lack any compassion or concern for the individuals and their living conditions, healthy health or safety. The billions of tax dollars we pay are supposed to be allocated to improve these institutions, but they don't. Nothing changes and they silence anyone who tries to make the public aware of the truth of what's happening, they don't want inmates to have a way of showing the world the wrong that takes place. Instead of trying to silence or punish these individuals, why doesn't the warden use her moral compass to fight for real change? So here's the thing, right? These are human beings. And if you are a person, who says, lock them up, throw away the key. I want you to remember your, your tax dollars, they take your money. They take your money and your money goes to the guarantee of certain things for individuals who are incarcerated. Number one, their health. Yes, if you're incarcerated, you get guaranteed health care insurance. They gotta take care of it. It's part of the plan. It's part of the law, it's the deal, it's what they have to do. You're also responsible for the safety. Here's the, here's the part that really gets me um, more than upset. The same people who would tell me they don't give a damn about these individuals. Do you care about 
crime? Probably you do. You don't want crime in your community, right? Understand this, when rehabilitation is not happening inside of a prison facility, those individuals are coming back out. No rehabilitation, no skill, no education, just anger at how they were treated by the establishment there. It's a cause and effect relationship, if we don't understand that we're still part of the same human family, regardless of if somebody is temporarily incarcerated or not, that understanding that connection can create a better outcome for your local community and a better outcome for your children and your children's children if you just care about their outcome. It's a cause and effect. Dan, thoughts? Uh, it's difficult to gather thoughts because it's so heart wrenching, those stories, those images. I'm glad there's, um, that we're doing this reporting on the show to really bring a light to this. Because I think this is an angle that uh, media outlets and entities with so much power and you know big microphones aren't digging into as often as they should be doing. I, I think ultimately gets down to where is justice being served in this country? You make a great point with like what our resources are supposed to be going to, but who is serving justice in this country? Because it's not just judges, it's not just people who are creating laws in this country. What you're also getting are that these wardens, these people who are running departments of corrections across this country in states all over, they're getting to decide death sentences. I mean, I even think of Dexter Barry out of Florida just earlier this month, who died in jail custody because they wouldn't give him his heart transplant medications, right? Like, in that case, the people who are running that jail, that local police department, they are now judge, jury, and executioner. That is a regression back in Magna Carta, how we're supposed to have laws and have people be treated in society. It is a regression back to what society is supposed to have gotten to at this point. So it's important that we keep highlighting this too. Give people, like you said, an ability to rehabilitate, an ability to recover and not leave, not just with anger, but with a bunch of injuries, which makes it harder for them to reintegrate into society. Yep, that's right. Um, Reentry is a real thing. Well over 90% of people who are incarcerated, they come home. They come home, act like it, all right? We got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. It's been a tough show. All right, um, I'm going to read some of these comments. Twitch, Neon Death 07, not even a punishment murderer deserves. I'm talking about uh, the jailer who was found guilty. Um, Sandra Lawson, thank you for this, Sandra. I appreciate you. I actually know Joyner and this school very well. My daughter attended when it first opened. The kids were not allowed to take books and other serious uh, issues the system takes of her. Um, ironic, isn't it? All right, I got a question. What in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face. It's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. Juneteenth is, excuse me, What's happening to the white people? They have a black Miss America, they have a black college, they have a black month. What do we have? And now they have Juneteenth. Yes, I understand there was slavery, don't get me wrong. 
but there was also a Holocaust, and that was more recent than slavery. But you don't hear the Jews saying, gimme, 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 gimme. What's the point of Juneteenth? What is it? I don't know. She's going to be really upset when she learns they also have a Black Little Mermaid now. Dan, let me say this. When I saw the video, I said, you know what? I'm actually glad she did that interview. Because that's how many bigots talk at home. She's giving you access, don't get upset. Killer Mike told me something that was really wise. He said, Dr. Richie, understand freedom of speech lets us know who our enemies are. Love it. All right, thoughts, dear brother. Uh, first of all, I just want to wish, since it is, uh, we're ending the evening of Friday as we're recording this, Shabbat Shalom to that lady right there who says the <laughs> Jews don't ask for enough different things. Uh, got wonderful Jewish friends, and uh, I, I, I don't think yeah. even they see it as like a competition between right, exactly. like, oh well, they get a holiday, we get this. Well, slavery was this many years, that puts you this many points back. It's like it's not a draft for holidays, right? And the people who see race as a zero sum game, as opposed to Yo, it's a day off. How racist you gotta be? How big right. did you gotta be, be to like complain or be upset about a day off? It's so unnecessary. It really, but you're right. It does show true colors of these folks. So it's important to see this on camera. See what it's like. Sorry, the last thing I just can't help it. The way she starts with the "excuse me" in whispered tones while then shouting—that's also a classic like indicator red flag for red state bullcrap. All day, all day, dear brother. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Tell people I think follow you. Check out your great work. Uh, I'm on so many things, I just have one simple link now. Go to danfromtheinter.net and you can just look at all the different links I do from Good Morning Bad News, PowerPort, Audio Face, Recent Appearances, all of those things. It's a pleasure to be on with you, a pleasure to be on with the TYT team. Have a good weekend, y'all. Take care. Have a great weekend, my dear brother. Always a pleasure. Peace. We got more. The bullpen is next. Stick and stay. Let's get it, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the bullpen. He's back in the bullpen today. We have Mr. John Burnett. He is a Republican strategist, financial industry professional with over 20 years of experience in risk management and a university professor. Good to have you back on the show, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Good to be here. Let's talk about the Republican primary field. And we're going to contextualize some of the, I guess, ideology of people like Ron DeSatan and others <laughs> who are running campaigns contrary to their actual delivery. I don't want to presume what you know or believe about DeSantis and others who are in this primary, Trump and his tactics. So if you would give us your overview and then I will respond. Well, this segment is only 13 minutes and we have about 15 Republican candidates, man. Can we get it all in? We could try, bro. You're gonna have to pay attention to the ones <laughs> that are polling at at least 1% because most of them aren't even polling at 1%. Okay, so we let's, can narrow it down. All right, we can narrow it down now. There you go. Well, you know what the thing is, is that uh, interestingly enough, I thought that we might actually be here at this point in terms of the number of candidates that would throw their hat in, in the ring, so to speak, given uh, that 2016 was the same scenario 
And arguably, when you look at even 2020 in terms of the number of people on the Democratic side that actually uh, threw their name in the hat, they never reached 15. But I think the more the merrier, and I think it'll help get the message out. Well, each person get their message out. Uh, it'll be easier to your point, Dr. Ritchie, if you if you poll above 3%, uh, you get more media time. So we'll see where it goes. We already know that DeSantis and Trump will uh, be the headliners along with Tim Scott and uh, Ambassador Naley, uh, uh, Haley. Well, let me ask you this, because <laughs> I find that interesting. I actually think Chris Christie is going to um, have some something to say. And even though his negatives is interesting because he has the highest negatives in the Republican primary of anyone running. His negatives are higher than anybody else's. But he's also the person who's consolidated a particular, let's say, faction of the Republican Party. And nobody else is connecting to that particular faction. And we're talking about individuals who are just disillusioned with Trumpism, disillusioned with the style of DeSantis and others. And then you have Tim Scott, who has a very similar lane. I don't know how numeric it would be for him in the Republican primary, but he has a similar lane, a lane that nobody else has. He's talking about unity, coalition building, connecting to people based on um, talking, uh, talking things that are not as though they are. All right, so that's kind of that's the kind of campaign he's running. Do you see room in the Republican primary? And I want you to really think about where you all are right now. Do you see room in the Republican primary for either A, an anti-Trumper getting the nod, or B, a person who literally is not campaigning against anyone else and only talking about what things should be like without providing much context or policy. That's Tim Scott. Tim Scott has a very hopeful message that lacks context. You think it's wrong for one of them to get the nomination? You know, in this modern day political arena, mm -hmm. uh, it's hard for me to say that it's impossible. Okay. Uh, I'll say that it is possible to the extent that th there, are, there are millions of people uh, whether you talk about the right or the left, that are, how can I say, they're hurting, but they also want to hear policy ideas. And they also want optimism, and they don't want to see a lot of infighting. Um, so I think there is a possibility. Now, to what it, what number or percentage? Not sure, but I think there's a at least a double digit um, opportunity for the right person. Now it has to be the right person with the right message, because those individuals also want to hear consistency, not just that you're not attacking across the you know across the way within the mm -hmm. same aisle, but they want to hear a consistency of message, ideas, and so forth, and they want to see how well. Other people are coalescing around those principles or values. What are the ideas here? What ideas debate are they having? Tell me. Well, well, I think you know the gate just opened, if you will, and 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 as we go into July, which is right around the corner, and move into August. Now, August is going to be, uh, for the lack of a better term, 
the UFC cage matches <laughs> with respect to the uh, Republican debates. Right, and and we don't, we still don't know at this point how many of the fifteen will qualify in terms of, you know, reaching the polling number requirement. But professor, listen, all due respect, I'm asking, what has the ideas debate been thus far? Because you've had individuals running since the end of January. You're now middle of the year. Okay, is gone. Half of the whole year is gone. Can you articulate what they are actually debating? What are they they saying they will deliver differently than the person next to them? Well, many of the people um, that uh, that you have uh, mentioned and others down the list, the first step they're trying. To, many of them are introducing uh, their 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 candidacy. To all 50 states. But how do you wait a minute? How do you introduce so, your candidacy without introduce without introducing what your so, what your candidacy stands for? So 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 what, so what I'm saying, many people people like to know what you what policies you'll be pushing forward. Correct. Which I'll what are they pushing? Second, but at the same time, they want to hear your credentials and 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 they also want to know who you are. So you have to do all three okay. at the same time. Wait a minute. So, so people need to know the credentials of Chris Christie. Hold on, sir. They. They, they've been talking about their credentials. Chris Christie's been talking about his credentials. Tim yeah, Scott talks about his credentials. Chris Christie's at like one one percent, and maybe one another poll maybe at two percent. But I'm Tim talking Scott? about other people. Well, so there's been some some polls, especially uh, specifically in in the early states that have Tim Scott at seven percent. Okay. Uh, same right. thing. Now, with tell me this: what what colleges did Tim Scott go to? Uh, I'm not sure which college. Exactly. Nobody knows. I don't uh, even the, know the, what college you went to, and you have a yeah. doctor. Doctor. Yeah, I got more than so, one doctor. I mean, and by I've the been way. on the show several times with you. Yes, so sir. I think, I think that's a poor my point. Poor no, it's it's your point. It's the point you made to me. I'm making it back to you. But the I'm point saying, is, if you're telling me that these individuals have not introduced ideas because they've been talking about their credentials, and you're not able to articulate. A, hold a, on, dear brother. I will. I will finish. Degree. I will. That's what you said. You said you're. They're telling you their credentials. What qualifies them to be in this particular office? Training, education, job experience, etc. That qualifies you for particular roles. If you can't articulate what these individuals have not, said no, in no, their no, credentialing, no, no. as you have you're submitted, going their brother, silly, you're going down a silly, silly. No, path. you made a silly credentials. that they're simply going to tell people their credentials. Meaning, they're if they're if they're if you're a legisl legislator, what what legislation have you passed? That ties into, let's say, jobs, education, things of that nature. What legislation? If you were an administrator, okay, all right, brother. As, so as let me go ahead and ask you a specific question. Okay, I got you. Right. So, so specifically, I got you specifically. Then, what legislation did Tim Scott pass that uh, created jobs? Well, one, he he was the the one of the pioneers of the opportunity zones, and we know. Whoa. That. Are you serious, dear brother? Yes, opportunity zones. Yes, as Did well you, as, oh, okay. as as well as as Hold well on. as the First Step Act and things of that nature. Oh, okay, that I, were okay, very that's beneficial. That's a um, that's a jobs bill. Now he voted against it under Obama, but let's talk about what you just said in reference to opportunity zones. Do you know what opportunity zones are, dear brother? Do you own uh, buildings? I I know what opportunity zones are. Explain yeah. it to. Me. Well, opportunity zones for because I know we're running running on a, a hard 13 minute stop. But the thing is, is that essentially um, areas that are depressed economically, right? 
individuals who, who will receive a, a deferred tax break can invest in those areas. And the reason why the key word is deferred, because we know gentrification, a lot of investors will come in, develop, and then immediately take the investment out, right? Yeah. Flip, if you will. Yeah. Opportunity, opportunity zones attract that investment, and then mm -hmm. investors cannot pull that money out right away. They have to wait. Let's say, you know, I think in some instances it's like ten years. Well, so, that's not. So let me go ahead and explain to you what an opportunity zone is. Uh, opportunity zones are allowed to be created per government, per state government, and then it's localized based on region. The federal dollars will come to that state. The state then has to break those federal dollars up into regional distribution, and it all is different per region. They get to set their right. own rules. And so based what that means is when you look at based, based upon the facts of how the program has worked, 97% of individuals, who take advantage of opportunity zone funding are not citizens of the local community as they would make you believe. They are simply investors who have the prerequisite economic ability to invest based on their model. Because in order to even get into the room for an opportunity zone, you have to at least come with $50,000. And yeah, many have it set at $150,000. The point is, People think it that creates an opportunity for sir. individuals inside of the community, and it does not. It does no, not, no. sir. I would be happy if it did, no, so that no, the parameters no, no, are defined based on the community. Grossly distorting. No, I'm not. I'm 100% correct, dear brother. Capital. It, it, your opportunity, opportunity zones matches capital investment. That's one with, model of an opportunity zone. The bottom line is it does not create opportunity for citizens in that local community. So what are the economic depressed opportunities? It's building housing, mm -hmm. it's also building manufacturing, it's building business in those areas, hence creating jobs as well as housing. So those are two things. That that when you look at a, at a lot of depressed economic areas, uh, both white and black, but we're talking about the urban community at this juncture. A lot of, a lot of those those areas don't have housing, don't have jobs. All right, now Two let me ask you this: We're, we're out of we're so out of time, but I want to pose this question to you. All right, Donald Trump and Republicans rolled back the protections for opportunity zones that were in place to make sure. That what I just described to you did not happen and abuses were limited. They decided to roll back those restrictions, which increased opportunity zone funding going to traditional investors up to the tune of 97%. The program was created for individuals who did not have access to that kind of capital, lived in that local community, gave a damn about the local community. And encouraged that's, that's growth in the local that's community. Completely inaccurate. How? Tell me. You, Tell me why I'm inaccurate. You're, Tell you're, me where. Where am I inaccurate? You're and look at the results of those opportunity zones. It depends. With, with, you with, have with, opportunity with, zones that have had with, a cost with, negative for no, a community. No, no, you're you're distorted. I encourage people to go not to just listen to this show. No, I encourage right? you to, to read. What what information do you have? Website. And look at there's a reason what website why under the Trump administration 
more jobs were created, more investment and things. But what website are you telling people to go to? Into certain areas. What professor? Distorting. What website? Good brother, I'm trying to I'm trying to give you a moment to tell people what website to go to. Where? There's a lot. Google, Google opportunity zones, so you can see. Okay, go to the propaganda. How they work and the benefits of of here's what. Got you. We got it, brother. Not, so I'm gonna I'm gonna the, tell people where I think they need to go the to. Uh, go go wherever gotcha. Go wherever right the professor says go. Now this professor is telling you to look at the Bloomberg report in 2020 of opportunity zones, and it's called the problem with opportunity zones. Is it is a fair analysis across the board, gives you the exact language that I just provided. All right, dear brother, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Goodbye. All right. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable. Indisputable has been named the fastest growing news TV show in the United States of America. Compared to all shows on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, and roughly 30 others. What do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Donald Trump radicalized citizens. He's the chief terrorist. Republicans still want you to think that critical race theory is the greatest evil that can happen in K through 12 education. It's not even talk. I guarantee you this, David. If he would have taken a knee during the national anthem to bring awareness to the need for more money for cancer research in America, he would not have had that response. It was I the agree. fact that he took a knee for black folk and brown folk. You rather pick the voters because you're scared of the voters picking the politicians. It frightens you. But we coming. When you are in a privileged position, equality looks like oppression to you. The Karenicity runs deep in this one. We provide a mirror, a mirror for reflection and a mirror for correction. So what if I have 35? Don't hit me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Let's put up the graphic of this Karen in peak performance. Boom. They want anarchy so they can start creating their own rules. Can you share with me some examples? When they were running around during the terrorist attack on January 6th saying hang Mike Pence. So those are the people I'm talking about. That's a problem, correct? You work for Mike Pence, stand up for the guy. Do not allow the ideology of politics to evaporate the humanity that still exists inside of you. They don't stop, I don't stop. Racism won't stop, I won't stop. Systemic bias won't stop, so I won't stop. People still need health care, so I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reformed in this country, so I won't stop. And you won't stop either.